This is The Mudroom, on Common Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson, parenting effectiveness coach and child behavior strategist. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers and preschoolers more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mudroom, our weekly free and live Uncommon Sense parenting class. I had both my kids home with me today due to the Ontario teacher strike, which was busy. We had a huge snowstorm over the weekend, and it's been really cold here, so we've got a bit of cabin fever going on. But just because it's top of mind, I'd just like to say right off the top that I 100% support the teachers, the EAs, and the ECEs who are striking for our kids. Hashtag no cuts to education, 100% behind you. I don't know how you do your job because (laughs) I certainly couldn't. So thank you for taking that hit for us and for not throwing my kid's generation under the bus. All right, now before we jump into our topic this week, allow me to introduce myself for those of you who are new around here. My name is Alana Robinson and I'm a parenting effectiveness coach for parents of toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners. My job is to help you understand why your children are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or coercing them. I'm the host here of the Parenting Posse, which is my free peer support Facebook group that you are welcome to join if you haven't already done so. I'm also the host of Parentability, which is where you we get to the root of behavior issues and create a targeted behavior plan to fix it. And obviously, I'm your host here on The Mudger. Okay, so today we're talking about why your child is never calm. This has come up a lot the last few months as we've talked more and more about stress and skill building. If you're new and you haven't listened to those episodes before, I highly recommend that you do. You can find them on my blog. But the Coles notes is that you can't teach children, you can't skill build when your child isn't calm, when they aren't alert and engaged. If you try to teach a stressed child you're going to find that they don't actually retain anything. They can't process the information that you're giving them, and therefore, they'll never be able to apply it. And this causes a lot of parents to just throw up their hands and either go, skill building doesn't work, this is bunk, or I can see my child has weak skills and I want to build them, but we can never get to the point where I can work on them with them because they're always running at a 10. They're never, ever calm. So when we're low on energy, our brains kind of go into essential services mode. It turns off anything that isn't essential to keeping us alive. And as much as we enjoy being civil and rational, that is our preferred state, those things aren't actually necessary to our survival. So Our brain shuts down the part of our brain, our neocortex, that deals with those things. And often what it will do is it will force us into what's called hyperarousal. It'll rev us up and get us very emotional and on high alert so that we can respond quickly to an attack. So that means that if your child is never calm, 
they're always in that hyper aroused, high alert, highly emotional state. Something is sucking up all their energy and throwing them into that state. Or we will also go into this state if we perceive danger. So this is usually the case with four-year-olds because they're in that limbic leap stage. Again, if that term is new to you, <laughs> once we're done here, go grab that episode. But four-year-olds are by nature somewhat stuck in this state because their limbic system is sucking so much energy going through that huge growth spurt. And because it's the limbic system that is essential to life and it's the one that's growing, it's also super sensitive. So it's kind of like a double whammy in that sense. So you would think that the logical way to fix this would be to find out what is sucking all of that energy or making them feel unsafe and then just eliminate it. And you would be right. And it would be so lovely if it were that simple. <laughs> but it's not because Often with young children, the thing that is sucking so much energy is the demand to use their weak executive functioning skills, which are housed in their neocortex. So using their weak skills requires a lot of energy. So we go into essential services mode, but then we can't teach them how to strengthen those skills because their neocortex is offline. So you see how that kind of sticks us between a rock and a hard place. So what can be done? <laughs> Most people think of energy expenditure as linear. You know, you wake up in the morning with lots of energy and then you slowly deplete your energy supply over the course of the day until at bedtime you're running on fumes and then you just go to sleep. And again, life would be grand if that were the case. We'd all be morning people. We'd all be super productive and social until about four o'clock and then nightlife would just be non-existent because we'd all go home and then just muddle through until bed. But again, that's not exactly how it works. Instead, we wake up, we use some energy, then we take a little bit of a break and do something that rejuvenates us a bit. We eat, we rest, and then we use some more energy. And then we do something that rejuvenates us. And then we use some more energy so on and so forth. This is why for us moms, we tend to stay awake way later than we should because we tend to not get very many significant breaks throughout the day. So by the end of the day, we're exhausted. But then our kids go to bed and we get a break that gives us quite the second wind and then we have energy to do all the things. But what happens if you have a child that seems never calm is that they wake up, something sucks all of their energy, and then they can't get back up the hill. They're just stuck there at the bottom, existing in essential services mode. So the first thing to do if you have a child that is never calm is to find out what calms them, what refills their tank, what helps them get back up that hill. And the challenge is that that is different for everybody. You know how teenagers blast music? And for like us old fogies, we're like, what the heck is the purpose of blowing your ears out? Well, that's calming for them. That rejuvenates them. That's audio filtering. They tune everything else out by making their music really loud. And music is one of those things that 
many people find rejuvenating, but obviously we all have our own music preferences. I'm pretty basic. I'm really into like pop, top 40, country, a little bit of hip hop. My husband, however, is much more into classic rock. And so are my boys. So if my kids are stressed, if I can see that they're going to need a break and I'm going to try and give that to them through music, if I put on hits one in the car, that's probably not going to do it for them. It'll be rejuvenating and coming for me, but not for them. So if my aim in putting on music is to calm them down, I'm going to flip over to my husband's presets and turn on classic rock. And a place that we often see this dynamic is in introverted people versus extroverted people. My husband, for instance, is very charming. He's got lots of social skills, but he's very introverted. Being around people is draining for him. It takes a lot of energy. He gets rejuvenated by being very much alone. I remember when I was pregnant with Logan, we went to a wedding of one of my best friends and I was in the wedding. So we had to be there the whole time. And after that weekend, he literally just packed up and went camping solo for a few days because he was so drained. He couldn't even be around me. He was just like done. My youngest son, on the other hand, is super extroverted. He gains energy by being around other people. So when we spend too much time at home, like we have over the last couple of days, because it's been cold and snowing and school's been canceled, he needs to go out and spend time with people who aren't his immediate family, or else he starts picking fights with his older brother. He starts throwing things around the house. He starts throwing himself off of furniture. Um, he did that last week, actually. He got a nice two-inch gash in his forehead. He gets super picky about his eating. All of his behavior just goes out the window because he's too stressed. He hasn't had a chance to take that break and fill his tank again. Some people get rejuvenated by running. Some people get rejuvenated by playing an instrument. Some people get rejuvenated by playing video games or building Lego or doing art or just watching Netflix. Everybody is different. So the challenge for us as parents is to figure out what fills our child's tank versus what depletes it and give them an opportunity to do those things at regular intervals throughout the day so that they're having that fill and empty cycle. So for instance, one of my parents' ability members recently figured out that her child loves podcasts, building Lego, puzzles, and heavy work. So now they've arranged their day so that he has planned breaks to do those things at regular intervals throughout the day. And they've noticed a massive improvement in his ability to stay calm, which means she now has openings where they can work on skill building and that will soon pay off too. So it stops that hamster wheel. I know this is super overwhelming. I've just given you a ton of information, <laughs> but I know it can feel overwhelming to try and find your child's calm, especially since we tend to default to what calms us. Or parents will default to TV because it makes their child quiet, but TV is not calming. In fact, studies have been done and it shows that because TV is so stimulating, it's actually mentally exhausting for children. So don't fall into that quiet trap. And we're gonna talk about that more in February, but quiet does not equal calm. 
But if you're like, holy hell, I just don't even know where to start with this, please come join us in Parentability. I have an entire section of our core content that was just added in September to help you figure it out. Plus you get access to me for daily coaching and our Facebook members exclusive group and our twice monthly coaching calls so that I can help you troubleshoot this. We actually have one coming up on Thursday. Yes, looking at my calendar. Thursday, we actually have our second call this month that you can jump in on. So, you know, so many of our members are working on this right now and it's not simple. (laughs) It's really complicated, but I can and I will help you figure it out. All you have to do is register and we can hit the ground running. So the link for that should be in the description. If it's not, I'll drop it in the comments. It's really an interesting concept. Once you start looking at things with the frame of energy expenditure, so much about what our kids do starts to make sense. So I hope that that gave you some direction and clarity. Remember, behavior is always communication. It's just a matter of figuring out what they're communicating. And the nice thing is that children learn to regulate by being regulated. You are going to have to set this up and enforce it at first, just like my member who is now enforcing break times throughout the day for her son because they don't know how to do it by themselves. If they knew how, they would do it. (laughs) Being dysregulated is hell. Nobody chooses that. So yes, this takes a lot of front-loaded effort on your part, but gradually they will begin to figure out that this makes them feel better and they will start to take it over piece by piece, step by step, and they'll be able to do it by themselves. And you'll start getting comments like, oh, he's so good, he stays so calm, he's such a good leader. And you'll be mentally melting down going, great, that took so much work, but it was so worth it. Any tips on how to apply this to younger toddlers? My son is 20 months, exact same thing. Okay, there's no difference. Applying this to a 15-month-old, a 20-month-old, a 3-year-old, a 6-year-old, a 21-year-old, it's all the same thing. You just got to find their calm, find those things that calm them down, and then give them regular times throughout the day to do that. Like, don't cram it all at the end of the day because... Again, you're going to have that depletion and then a spike again, and then they'll be all energized before bed, and you don't want that. You want them to have that empty and fill throughout the day. Naturally, most Western societies have somewhat of this built in, right? We have breakfast, which is a break. We have lunch, which is a break. We have dinner, which is a break. Those are normal societal breaks that we've built in. But for a lot of kids, and for a lot of adults too, they need more frequent breaks than that, and they need to be doing something specific that is specifically rejuvenating for them during those breaks. I hope that helps. Okay, I'm going to close there. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I will see you next week for another Uncommon Sense Parenting class. Bye! You've been listening to The Mudroom, Uncommon Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us on social. 
This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.